Welcome to Association Rockstars, where we hear about the journey and insights of amazing association executives and partners who are building the association industry of tomorrow. My name is Lowell Applebaum. I'm the CEO of Vistacova, where we partner with organizations on strategy, facilitation, and vision. It's my absolute pleasure to have with me today, Lindsay Curry, CAE. Lindsay is the Executive Officer of the Council on Undergraduate Research. She's an association executive who's focused on enriching and advancing society through associations. She's a believer in the power of practicing foresight and the positive impact it has on associations as they pursue achievement of mission-driven goals. That, that is the information I was provided. I will add to that some, some nice nuggets about Lindsay, including that she's involved with the Association Women Technology Champions, uh, helping with their scholarships. Uh, she also is a recent co-author on the new volunteer research the ASE Foundation just came out with, uh, as well as a frequent speaker and thought leader in our space. Lindsay, I'm so happy to have you with us today. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, and I will also just share with the with our audience that uh, Lindsay and I are just both back from Association Sharetta co-creation retreat experience. Uh, and so I'm guessing that our, our conversation will both be elevated and exhausted all at the same moment. And we'll see how all that turns out. You got it. Absolutely. It was a great event and happy to talk with the community if anybody has any questions about the, the event at a later date. Perfect. Well, let's let's talk about you a little bit. Uh, so we always like to start our discussions with a, a conversation that often happens, at least for me at home, around superpowers and where they come from and which ones we have. And as you thrive uh, as a leader and within your organization, within our community, what superpower, what strengths do you feel that you have that help you shine as a leader? Yeah. So it's interesting, as you'll see on my uh, bar here, uh, it, it talks a little bit about me, but one of the things that it doesn't share with you, and it is hard for some to believe, but uh, I am a true introvert, right? This is, um, you are taking all of my power from me right now. Um, but I think one way I have really learned to leverage that as a positive is I really like to sit back and learn people and listen to them. And so I find that my superpower is finding superpowers in others and helping them learn to amplify and leverage their superpowers to their own benefit. So I'm curious, as you think about uh, your role as executive for your organization, uh, is there a way that you apply that superpower that you feel like really helps you in terms of your work with your board or your officers, right, or your leadership? Yeah. Uh, one of the things is like the voice doesn't always need to be mine and often benefits from it not being mine and helping other people find the voice and the skills and the supports to be the voice of important matters, right? We're currently going through our budgeting cycle. I should not be the voice of every section of our budget to our board, right? Those that are owning it, those that are developing it should have a say in those places. And so being able to help them feel prepared and ready and learn those skills that they might not otherwise um, is one that I think benefits all of us. And it is really great to not have to be the, the speaker of the whole budget or the standalone person that represents all of Kerr. There's a team of six that I work with every day that are rock stars in each of their areas. Um, that I couldn't do it without. And so helping them find those skills and develop as humans is one of the best parts of my job. You know, this, this skill set, this strength of listening uh, and reflecting and elevating others, as you reflect on your own journey, especially the early stages of it, uh, the, although introverts probably too limiting of a term, right, but, yeah. but it may apply or not. I don't, I don't see it in one of 
one of the little bars there. Um, but as you're reflecting on journey to the executive seat, uh, so often we think about executives as uh, really, I don't want to say loud, right? But like large personalities meant to lead. Uh, and so when we find a leader that like is more introvert and listens as a primary place of strength, I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about your journey. Was it always like, how did you marry introversion and listening with finding leadership opportunity, which so often for all too many places, they look for extroversion? It, it's been a continuous journey, right? One that I haven't necessarily figured out perfectly. Um, but what I've done is spent a lot of time figuring out what are spaces I feel most comfortable in? Who are the people around me that I need to feel comfortable and succeed in? Um, you know, for every introvert, there is plenty of extroverts that want to be that person on stage. As the executive, you don't always have to play that role, right? And so finding those um, good connections, I think it has made me really strong in selecting team members of diverse skill sets, right? Mm -hmm. um, because I don't want it to always be my voice. I don't always have the ability to be a synthesizer of information. I have a pro that does that on our team. And what it has allowed me to do is just take a step back, understand what my skills are and how they can benefit an organization and sell them that way, right? And so when I interviewed for this job, it wasn't, I wanna be on the microphone, I wanna be your face. Um, we have a president that does that for us exceedingly well, right? It was, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna develop a team and a strategy and, and really help the organization grow and thrive. And that was something they were comfortable with. It's not the right fit for every organization. And that's okay, because I don't want to be in a place that I'm not the right fit for. Um, so really spending a lot of intentional time um, figuring that out. And I think, uh, you know, I appreciate the designation of a rock star, not one that I necessarily feel comfortable with or would choose myself. But I think it comes out of such a love for what I do. I grew up in a house where my stepfather was a volunteer fireman. My mom was a, right, a rape care advocate. My grandfather was a former chair of the board of the National Principals Association, right? Everyone I knew was always giving back and I saw how fulfilling it was for them. And so it has always been a part of, of what I do. I started being a reading mentor in high school and it has just continued. And so it really just comes back to, um, it feels and, and fuels my soul to give back. So the intention is not to, to be the center of attention. It, it comes from a place of true love for helping people feel comfortable. And I think associations do that in their own ways. Um, and so as that introvert that navigated a lot of life, incredibly uncomfortable, right? Trying to find spaces that I can do a better job of making others feel comfortable, seen, heard um, in different ways, right? I have extroverts in my membership, I have introverts, and we really do a great job, I think, of trying to care for the whole person and multiple versions of whole people when we develop our programming and services. Uh, I love I love the passion and the alignment of what you talk about. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious as your own journey to this moment came along, are there any thoughts that come to mind along your own journey of growth and learning and progress of those who were able to make you feel comfortable on that journey, right? Like mentors or supervisors, right? How do they structure the right moments and the right opportunities for you to grow and shine and really come into your own? 
Yeah, I think one of the, the benefits for me has been several people reminding me along the way, um, even if it makes you uncomfortable, sometimes you need to do it. And what is a healthy level of discomfort, right? And so we just talked about Tourette. I actually go to practice a weekend of discomfort so I can continue figuring out where do I hit a, a threshold of discomfort? Where can I thrive in discomfort? What supports do I need in discomfort? Because working with a board, working with an unknown economy, right? These are discomforts that we are sitting with every day. And how do I amplify my skills to do better in those spaces? Mm -hmm. And so I have been lucky um, to, I have a, a group that calls themselves the sisters um, that meets regularly, right? And they are really good at reminding us and poking us about you know, what are we good at? Where do we need support? Where do we need cheerleading um, and helping us get through? And so sometimes it's not going to be a boss, right? Um, it might not even be a colleague. And I needed to go out and find a group that was going to remind me of these things that sometimes make me uncomfortable, but they have that skill set or they're happy to do it for me or with me, right? To um, ensure that the community benefits from what I have to share um, and so finding, you know, those support mechanisms that may be not in sync with what is naturally, you, you know, your preference um, has been something that's really valuable to me. Do you think it's always been part of your makeup? Like the, the seeking discomfort as places of growth feels like a very uh, mature, right? Like, because it's, it's, I mean, there's scare, there's fear in that, I imagine. Like, who wants to jump into discomfort? If I was speaking to Lindsay 10, 15, 20 years ago, would that have been how she also sought uh, growth and strength? Or is this like Lindsay now, who's had years of experience, what she's Yeah, seen? I think it's a combination of both, right? If you ask my parents, I was 40 when I was four, right? Um, and, and so certainly I think the want to appear and present in this incredibly professional and put together manner Earlier in my career, I did it, but might have been a facade. And I think I have worked for the last decade to really own it and it not feel fake, right? Mm -hmm. And not something that I felt I needed to do, but something that I really felt I owned. And I think that ties back to like giving back, um, giving back and feeling, oh, no, I really do this. I really am this person that is um, interested in volunteering and continually um, wanting to deepen my knowledge and expertise around that. I think one of the places where I became more comfortable was that my opinions can and should change, right? And my definition of what a good volunteer meant at 30 didn't have to be the same as it is at 40, right? And so finding those abilities to have evolving opinions and being in communities that challenge those opinions in a brave way, not in a safe way, right? Um, in a brave way to evolve my thinking um, has been critical to that transformation. So I think it's a combination of both. Some of it is my nature um, to, to present as this put together human that has it has all the ideas, but some of it has really been, okay, then you will see achiever as one of my things, right? I was going to make that happen come hell or high water. And I think I've finally kind of gotten to a place where I feel it's it's true. Yeah. Gosh, there's two paths I want to go down. Uh, we'll select this one first. You've, you're speaking frequently about communities, right? That you have found that support you, but challenge you, 
right? That it's, it's through these communities of involvement, uh, of belonging, uh, of being a part, that it sounds like your journey has continued and, and still continues. As you think about the communities you have found or the communities you seek, I'm sure there isn't like a list of criteria you've typed out, right? But, but I mean, your reference to these communities as a way of the stepping stones into leadership and into maturation as a leader, do you actively seek them? Do they just find you? Like, like what, what is the, any special sauce uh, that you can give us around? Yeah. yeah um, so I think some of it is I do genuinely seek community where the whole human is accepted. I, I don't really buy into communities where I'm only showing up as Lindsay as the CEO. Now it might be a CEO group, but if it's not a group that accepts me also as a mom, a wife, a friend, uh, you know, a yogi, a crazy tea drinker, right? It, it's not going to be a place for me. And so I have really been willing to dip my toe into some communities and walk away, right? I think that's the 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 learning for me is not every community has to be yours. And keep looking until you find the right one. Sometimes they find you, right? Um, my sisters, right? They're like, you you need to be here um, because you bring this whole human. And that's why I've stayed and found the value, right? Um, sometimes I, I know I need what the other person has to offer. And, and sometimes I force myself on those humans because I, I need that balance. And then, you know, again, as, as you create the alignment of, um, where you have shared experiences and show the genuine want for them to also succeed, right? It has created some really strong bonds between me and other community members. Can you talk for a moment around the stepping away part of that? Because uh, for many, it's easy to say yes to be part of something, uh, but the decision to divest, right? The decision to step away could feel like a failure or a loss or embarrassment, all, all these other negative connotations when it actually could be a really healthy decision. Yeah. Uh, just any reflections you have on, on you only have so much time, so much energy, like how you decide when to step away from the community. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, we all work for mission-driven organizations. And to me, I wouldn't work for an organization I don't believe in its mission, right? And are you doing the same kind of evaluation for the groups you spend time with? Um, they might not have a, a formalized mission, but you can figure out pretty quickly what their intent is. And, and usually if their intent isn't a match for yours, they don't even notice if you walk away, right? And that's okay. Um, and I guess my my intent is, is not to be a cool kid, not to be the famous one, right? Um, is to do good work, to be a good human, um, to try and make other good humans. Um, and so if it is not aligned with those values, I'm okay if they're angry with me for walking away or disappointed. Um, I also am in charge of a human, right? And so I need to be very particular about how I spend my time. And I think, you know, as we talked about earlier versions of, of ourselves, there was a time in my life that I literally let myself burn to a crisp and it didn't benefit anyone and learning some of those lessons and then providing myself with a scaffolding to ensure that I don't do that again or too extreme, right? Um, I have a team right now that is saying, you are doing too much. We are not going to allow you to do this much anymore. You will not add anything to your calendar this summer, right? I have su su 
created supports for myself that helped me counterbalance that achiever or futuristic learner right in my um my skill sets and so really spending the time i, I don't think there's enough self-reflection we can do for an introvert it might be more natural but but figuring out how you can do that in your decision making is important and i think one of the things my current board president has taught me that was eye-opening right her line is blink and look again, right? And so too often we were, I was just saying yes to everything. And if I take a minute and breathe and really evaluate the situation, is it delivering all the things I really need it to? Or was that just it, its first sales pitch, right? Um, has been incredibly valuable in me making better decisions, um, joining better groups, aligning myself for a healthier future. I was going to ask what, you know, knowing that you were at the point where you're bringing yourself out to a crisp, uh, from your wisdom today, what would you tell that younger self so they stop doing it sooner? Uh, Sometimes you have to go slow to go fast, right? And I was just going fast to go fast. Um, mm -hmm. And there are some things you have to just learn with time. I didn't need to be a CEO at 29. There's some people that are completely capable and ready. I wasn't, right? And so taking that time to actually think about what are the skills I need to build? What are my gaps? How will I address building a team? Are, were all things I needed to spend time and get my head around. We're almost near the end of the time, but you make me want to ask as you think about, Lynn, if you and I were talking in five years from now, are there certain skills that you hope that you will have built in the next five years, right? Certain areas of growth in the next five years as you're in a place that's more reflective and sounds more intentional. Just just curious what your thought is at this moment. Yeah. Um, I I by by miracle of, of saving money, maybe I'm hoping to be on the, the downswing of my career, actually, you know, at that point in time. Um, and so I, I need to do a lot of self-reflecting. Is being an executive the best way to do that? Is it the best way to give back to the community? Um, and really spending some time in the coming years figuring out what will be most fulfilling to me and give back the most. Um, and so it's not necessarily going to be at the top, could be, right? It might be at a different kind of organization, but spending some time to really figure out what the guide rails are to my continued happiness and ability to give back to the community. Well, that that conversation went by in a, in a hot minute. Uh, we always like to end with a little bit of projection reflection that uh, as you think about the many places that you are making impact, be it from behind, from in front, uh, in support of others in your own voice leading. As you reflect on the legacy you want to leave behind, when you get to that point of being able to step back, what do you hope is the legacy you've left behind for the association industry? That we do a better job of providing grace to each other and to ourselves. Um, one of the things that I keep thinking about is this shift towards empathetic leadership which I think we need, we, it certainly warms my heart, but I think it is often at a disservice to the executive themselves and how can we be empathetic leaders in a sustainable way? Um, and so I am hoping I can contribute to some thoughts there that will benefit the next generation of leaders. Well, uh, we want to express thanks for sharing so much about your own journey, your own leadership with us. There were so many amazing lessons in there. Thank you. My pleasure. And as always, we want to thank Amy, who's been chatting with you all across the social media platforms and to everyone who continues to 
tune in and learn together. Uh, each of these conversations brings new insight to what the association industry of today looks like, what the leadership of today looks like, and more so the leadership we need for tomorrow. Uh, so with a closing thought on empathetic leadership and how we're kind to each other, uh, we hope that you have a good journey to our next conversation. Until then, Association Rock On. Thank you.